Today on the Evangelist Podcast, we're talking to Carl Lafferton. The Evangelist Podcast from Revival. Find out what's new in telling people the good news about God, the world and you with Andy Brinkley and Glenn Scrivener. Welcome back to the Evangelist Podcast. I'm Andy Brinkley and this is Glenn Scrivener. This is me. Hello, everybody. My friend and boss. (laughs) That's it. In that order. (laughs) <laughs> I sound like David Brent at that point. <laughs> Good. Well, on the podcast today, we've got Carl Lafferton. Carl Lafferton. So um, that was an interview that you did earlier. Mm. Author, editor, yeah. all-round good egg. Um, so, yes, he, he's written a number of books. And, in fact, uh, he wrote Christmas Uncut, which was the book that we gave away with our yes. Christmas videos last year. Yeah. So when people clicked at the end of the anti santi ranty or at the end of Christmas in Dark Places, yep. the offer that they received was actually a Carl Lafferton book, yeah. uh, Christmas Uncut. And so he's done another book with uh, Michael Dormandy called Tricky, The Hardest Questions to Ask About Christianity and Some Answers. Okay. So uh, what have you been up to recently? You you had a big, long drive up to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Quite the drive up to, up to Glasgow. Glasgow. There was... Uh, is it Glasgow? Because you, you were up there for a Glasgow, few years, weren't yeah. you? It's Glasgow. Well, okay. Glasgow. Glasgow. <laughs> Glasgow. Glasgow. Um, if you're from there, please don't yeah. hate us. Um, <laughs> it's mainly Andy. Um, I... Because that sounds posh to me, Glasgow. Yeah, probably my southern rule. I don't know. Is it Bath or Bath? Good question. Okay. <laughs> I say Bath. Bath, yeah, I say Bath. I say Bath, because <laughs> I'm very Southern. Um, so, yes, I went up to Glasgow. I was meant to fly, but there was a mix-up with the tickets. So, uh, having driven, you know, about an hour up to Gatwick, um, I then drove the rest of the oh, sort no. of eight hours from Gatwick to Glasgow. So, that was... But it, it formed a very uh, integral part of actually my teaching, because I was teaching Colossians mm. and how we're in Christ. Uh, so, the difference between being in Christ and your regular just slogging it out religious life mm. is if, when you're in Christ, the ticket is bought for you. You freely, you know, get into the plane. You are seated. (laughs) Everything happens to you. Whatever happens to the plane happens to you who are in the plane. It's exactly like being in Christ. It's all paid for you. You're in Christ, seated in heavenly places. Um, Most of us do Christian the Christian life like we're bombing up the M6, you know, and and we're tired, and we've we've got to keep on refueling and refueling. So, turned turned that experience of I actually spent about 24 hours of this last weekend driving. So, uh, wow. but uh, you know, managed to turn that into a into a little lesson for us all. Um, and, and it was great because the the student gave me a card at the end, and they said, "Thank you for driving all the way to Glasgow to tell us that we don't need to." So <laughs> you'd was... gone through it, so they didn't <laughs> exactly. How very Christ-like. <laughs> so that was good. So that, I'm in the middle of a lot of student stuff at the moment. Um, mm. This weekend, going to the University of East Anglia. Mm. Um, so up in Norwich uh, and uh, speaking to students there and then got some more student carol services mm. with Reading and Norwich and Glasgow and Eastbourne even um, oh. and Lewis even. Oh. Um, so a few different uh, carolsy things coming up as well. Good. Okay. Oh, and the book. The book. The book. Um, yes, it's been completely proofread and everything's like done and dusted. And, three, um, two, one. Three, two, one. The story of God, the world and you is coming out with... It's the Rolls Royce of all tracts. Mm. Okay, uh, Jez Pointer has done a brilliant job on the design. It's and a 3D track, three dimensional. Yes, it is. Yes, because it's a Trinitarian, you yeah. know, thing. So it's it's threefold and and um, 
and it actually it folds up into a pyramid mm. so that as you take people through it you can sort of show them the pictures on the three sides of the pyramid and mm. those are the three two one it's it's if i do say so myself it's going to change evangelicalism um for the next whoa, whoa, whoa. half a century <laughs> did i go too far okay okay it's <laughs> It's a tract you can fold. <laughs> is, that, is that more realistic? Yeah. It's attractive. It's a t- ah! <laughs> Very good. Anyway, enough. <laughs> it makes all other tracks look flat and two-dimensional. <laughs> yeah. That's because they are. Okay, so um, let's uh, listen to Carl Lafferton then. And, uh, See what he has to say about the book. Okay. So with me is Carl Lafferton, co-author of the book Tricky, The Hardest Questions to Ask About Christianity and Some Answers. Welcome to the program. Thanks very much for having me. Brilliant. I, I really like that your, your title to the book ends with And Some Answers, um, because otherwise it'd be quite a strange book, wouldn't it? The Hardest Questions to Ask About Christianity, and then that's it. That would be... Yeah, it would be a short book as well if it was just the contents page. And yes. then blank pages to fill in your own answers. Yes. Um, People are quite like that, actually, I would have thought. That could um, be. Yeah. We, we, we filled in the answers for people so that they feel they've got their money's worth. That's right. And you filled them in very, very well. And it's, it's you and Michael Dormandy. Um, tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about Michael. Uh, so I'm senior editor at The Good Book Company, and um, I'm also the author of uh, Christmas Uncut and Original Jesus, which are um, uh, books to give away evangelistically. Um, and um, Michael is actually the the sort of genius behind the genesis for this book in that he came to us and said that um, he felt that there weren't very many um, books out there that were uh, biblical and warm and written in a non-academic way for Hmm. young adults and older teenagers and um, when we thought about it we thought actually that that might be right Um, so yeah, so that's that's where the book came from, really. Michael is a is a second year um, uh, ordinand at, at Wycliffe Hall in Oxford. Ordinand uh, means someone on the way to becoming well, ordained yeah, in the Church of England. He's training to be allowed to wear a dog collar. Um, Vicar factory, he's, yes. He's, yeah, he's on the conveyor belt. How to wear a dog collar? <laughs> yes. um, so halfway, he's halfway through. I think he knows what a dog collar is now, but he hasn't yet learned how to popper it up behind his collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he. Yeah, I was going to say something that, uh, but then I thought my bishop might be listening, and that would be bad. Um, brilliant. So, how how do you write a book together with somebody else? I mean, did you sit in the same room, or how how does that process work? Uh, well, uh, now you're asking how the sausage is made, Glenn, and oh, yeah. people like sausages, but they don't like to they know how they're like made. Mm. Uh, joint authorship works in. Uh, innumerable different ways depending on the exact project in this case um, Michael wrote the first draft and then I uh, went to work on it and um, uh, added bits and changed bits and so on and then Michael and I would have a phone conversation uh, for most of the chapters about um, exactly how we were going to uh, arrive at the final shape and uh, some of the chapters it was very easy to do that for, and some of them it took a lot longer because um, they were harder questions or mm. uh, more sensitive questions, and so we worked much harder and spoke much more uh, about those particular ones. And 
that's how yeah that's how this particular sausage was made well it, i mean it does have a remarkably uniform kind of sense so i think you did you did well on that let's uh let's have a look at the contents so here are the nine questions you came up with i'll ask you in a second like how you whittled it down to nine or how you came up with these nine but the nine are doesn't jesus ruin your fun in the end isn't just oh in the end it's just a matter of opinion sorry <laughs> I need to learn to read. You've you've written a perfectly good book. I just need to read. Um, in the end, it's just a, ma- a matter of opinion, isn't it? Is number two. Number three, how can anyone believe Jesus rose from the dead? Number four, if Jesus is real, why is there so much suffering? Number five, does Jesus care about my pain? Number six, hasn't science disproved God? Number seven, what does Jesus really think about being gay? Number eight, surely you don't think there's only one true religion? And number nine, why should I bother with Jesus? Are these the nine trickiest questions in all Christendom? I think <laughs> I think they're the nine trickiest questions to be asked by some uh, of the questions that people who are looking into Christianity or utterly skeptical tend to ask in an honest way. Mm. Um, I don't think that they are the hardest questions that it is possible to ask about the Christian faith in the sense that there's nothing in here about. Uh, the Trinity. There's nothing in here about predestination and 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 so on. But in my experience, um, people who are honestly asking questions uh, tend to be asking these ones, and I think I think they're pretty tough. But yeah, they're certainly the ones that I get asked, and and it seems like you've had a very deliberate. Uh, your your method has been to get straight to Jesus and to think. How is Jesus the answer to these questions? How does what he did and what he said answer these questions? Was was that a sort of a deliberate choice from from the outset? Yeah, so I think there there were two things that um, we wanted to do, um, both of which really came came from Michael. So I can't claim credit for them. the The first was not to just do a book of, that that got at head knowledge. So um, chapters like you know, does Jesus care about my pain, are much more trying to Mm. um, uh, reach the heart. Um, We didn't want it to be nine sort of fairly intellectual questions about the resurrection and, you know, suffering in a a sort of a whole world sense and um, those kind of things. We wanted there to be chapters which are the ones that we ask from our hearts as well as our heads. That was the first thing. Mm. Second thing was, yes, it was a deliberate policy to, to make sure that we... We got to Jesus reasonably quickly, simply because, I mean, he's he, he is the hope that we have, isn't he? And mm-hmm. um, and so he's the one that is going to grab people. And it's a cliche, but that all author, Christian authors say. But you know, I want people to walk away from the book thinking about him and not thinking about something funny that happened to Michael or me or whatever. And I spent the first, I guess, four or five years of my Christian life attempting to argue people into the kingdom by sort of deploying arguments that i thought would tear down their position and and of course that that just never works what people uh, are saved by is, is a person on an argument and mm-hmm. so i think our, our tactic in this book as as in general evangelism was to respect the question and run to jesus for the answer to the question i think it's easy to sort of seems to get it wrong in one of two ways isn't it either to sort of uh, be so busy arguing about the question that you forget to talk about Jesus. The the other equal and opposite error is is to say, oh, I'm really glad you've asked me about science. Let me just tell you about Jesus dying on the cross, because that's really the question that you ought to be asking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and this is trying to sort of 
go somewhere in between those two extremes. Yes, and but it so organically shows that Jesus is indeed the answer uh, to these questions. I think. Yeah, I think if if we if it's a shift of gears between the questions that people want to ask and our concept of Jesus, perhaps we've got quite a small concept of Jesus at the end of the day. Yes. Um, but I, but I think I think you've got a very um, a very rounded, full view of Jesus, which which comes across in the book. Um, can we have a look at maybe? Maybe a couple of the, the tricky questions, and um, let me let me get a flavour of your your answer um, to them. I, I actually I, I liked that you began with with question one. Doesn't Jesus ruin your fun? Um, what were you trying to do with with that chapter? I th- I think a lot of people just have this view of Christianity, um, maybe without articulating it very often, that actually you know it might be true but it isn't wonderful. Mm. Um, And I think um, for the rest of the book, it was important that we showed that actually it would be great if Christianity were true, rather than it would be a real shame if Christianity were true. Mm. Um, And so the the aim of that chapter was simply to to say, look, actually, you know, when Jesus meant what he said when he said that he'd come to offer life and life to the full um, and to to try and sort of just gently strip away this idea that Christianity is about trading in your life now in order to get eternity later. Um, So that was why that that was why the the chapter was in there. I, I hope that a lot of people who wouldn't necessarily articulate that question would look down the contents page get to number one and think actually that that is pretty much what i think and and then want to read the book yeah i I think it was very uh helpful um the whole jesus centeredness of the whole book and when you are you know addressing a an issue like doesn't jesus spoil your fun i mean instantly you were just able to say well look let's think about jesus when he lived on earth he didn't get accused of being boring very much um and then you're just off and away. And I, I thought that sort of characterized your answers in really helpful ways. Um, do you think that's something we need to sort of train ourselves to do a bit more? Just just think, well, how does Jesus answer this particular question? Uh, to a certain extent, yes. I mean, I think I, I don't want to get red letter bible in my evangelism where yeah. um, I, I feel I can only talk about what, what Jesus did and said yes. um, in, in the Gospels. So I want I want to guard against that, yes. but I think that Jesus is 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 just a great model for for our evangelism. I mean, talking about that uh, that particular question, I mean, it, it's just very striking who it was who clearly felt able to um, spend time with Jesus, ask Jesus mm. questions. Mm. Um, you know, they're precisely not the kind of people that we tend to find in most of our our evangelical churches today in this country and yes. i i think for my, for my own life and witness i just find that extremely challenging mm. so yeah yeah so as long as we have a uh, yeah if we have a big enough jesus if it's yeah if it's the red letter jesus then that's actually probably quite a small jesus um yeah but yeah we we definitely need a bigger vision of jesus and then as we bring him to bear hopefully it has a uh, fruitful outcomes for our evangelism um yeah i uh I was also very taken and, and enjoyed your chapter seven. What does Jesus really think about being gay? Um, because I, I think in evangelism, that's, that's a question that sort of comes up in a heartbeat. You could be talking about any question in the world. And then suddenly sort of sexuality is 
uh, on the menu, even if you didn't order it. Um, what do you think is uh, a sort of some helpful principles for us to think through if that issue gets raised in evangelism? How do you think we should go about addressing it? Well, the first thing to say is I'm no kind of expert, um, mm. and I and I think anybody who thinks they've got kind of uh, a way of speaking to something that is is culturally very unacceptable and personally very painful for people anybody who who thinks they've got a one minute answer to it is 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 almost certainly wrong well they haven't um, or, probably tried or, or, it or, yes <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. they've, either, they've either not tried it or they're about to um completely change the face of um of the the church and the country mm. um i look i i think in this area above all we've got to live evangelistically mm-hmm. before we seek to speak evangelistically mm. uh, by which i mean i think we've we've got to both corporately as churches and individually as christians make it very clear that we love people mm. and it doesn't matter what you do or who you are or how you identify yourself we we love people we will pour ourselves out for people, go the extra mile for people, and we'll be accepting of people in the sense of not making our our love or our time dependent on who you're sleeping with. Yes. Um, so I think, I, I think we're never going to win somebody's ear for the gospel if we don't live the gospel to them. Yes. And something that I think is very challenging for me, for for all Christians, for churches is, do I actually have friends and keep friends who who are gay and actively gay? Mm. Because if not, then I think then I think actually we are living up to or rather down to the media stereotype of evangelical Christians as being mm. bigoted. Mm. Um, we need to have friendships that can that that are clearly loving enough that they can bear the weight of us telling the truth within that friendship. Yes. And then having said all that, we need to be uh, clear about what the Bible does say and doesn't say um, on this issue, as as with all others. Mm. And, uh, I, I mean, it, it won't be a surprise to know that as we wrote the book, the chapter that we found the hardest um, was this one, mm. uh, because we want to be clear about what Jesus says uh, about sex, um, but we also wanted to acknowledge how hard it is for somebody who is same-sex attracted and has been living that out um, to hear that Jesus uh, to hear what Jesus has to say about their particular life choices, and to see that as good news. Um, yes. You know, that is that is obviously going to be going to be very hard. So, so we need to be clear, but we need to be loving at the same time. Yeah, and, and I, I, that, that's all I've got. <laughs> no, well, I, I, and I think you do that quite well in the in the book in, in terms of the chapter, um, setting it up with yes, that that loving nature of Jesus. Um, yeah, being truthful. Look, Matthew nineteen. This is what Jesus says, and then you you know you go to Romans one as well and say, look, you know, the rest of the New Testament sort of comes at it from this same angle and what I enjoyed is is sort of as the chapter comes to an end you you end with a few could it be uh, sort of questions sort of painting a picture 
you know, could it be that Jesus is the God who can give you more joy and security than than sex ever could? And and you and I, it was interesting. We had um, uh, we had Andrew Wilson in in the studio uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, talking about sort of the. I'm, I'm following Andrew Wilson. That's um, yeah, that's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? But, uh, <laughs> no, no, glad from to... the sublime to the anyway, go on to the Lafferton. Yeah, um, we. Um, yeah, no, and and we spoke then about the need to paint beautiful pictures of the Christian view of sex, and and you know, is is there a way of proclaiming Christian sexuality um, in a way that, yes, to begin with, sounds outrageous and strange, and but if entered into, has an internal harmony and beauty to it um, that could be compelling to somebody. Um, we we sort of we concluded that yeah that that book has has yet to be written but um, but Andrew actually inter- write it very well um, look I think I mean on 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 a book like Tricky hmm. um, I, I think we are mistaken if we think that a, an apologetics book is very likely to be anything more than one stage in an ongoing conversation between a Christian and and a non-believer hmm. um, and so. It, a chapter like that, particularly on a subject like this, um, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit uh, uses that chapter to bring people who either are same-sex attracted themselves or for whom this is a huge stumbling block um, in general. I, I pray that he uses the chapter to bring them from thinking Christianity cannot be correct because it says that active homosexuality is wrong to repenting and believing by the end of the chapter. But being realistic and humanly speaking that's not going to happen what this might do is move somebody along Mm. um, in an ongoing conversation and so that the reason that we wanted to raise those questions at the end was so that we didn't finish if you like on an exclamation mark but with a question mark just saying to somebody as gently as possible look actually could it be that while you find great things in um sex outside uh, heterosexual marriage and, and and let's be honest you know the gay community can be very welcoming mm. affirming and secure mm. and uh, and often our stereo we stereotype others as much as they stereotype us you know mm. could it be that actually there is something even better could it be that actually what you've been seeking and only finding to some to a certain extent but not fully in one place could actually uh, be given to you completely in, in in the Lord Jesus. Now, obviously, I I think and you think the answer is yes, but mm. just telling somebody that hmm. um, is 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 unlikely to work. I think on a, on a subject like this, asking them whether it's possible and therefore whether they need to keep looking and looking openly um, is is I think perhaps a more fruitful way of moving the conversation forwards. That's that's why we we finished that particular chapter in the way that we did. That's very helpful, actually. Have, having uh, modest aims for your sent- for your for your chapters. I, I, I think maybe in our conversations, perhaps we need to think about having modest aims in a conversation. If if homosexuality homosexuality comes up, that our mm. modest aim would be: can we at least say that there is a conceivable world in which Christians could hold a traditional sex ethic and not hate everybody? You know, like, is it is it yeah. possible not to be yeah. homophobic and to you know hold to the words of Jesus? Maybe that should just be our first goal, and then yeah, seek to keep on loving and keep talking and yeah. yeah. I, I when when homosexuality comes up in a conversation, 
my my prayer is not that in talking about that issue um somebody would suddenly realize that jesus is the son of god who came to save them from their sins and fall down and worship him my hope my prayer is that we will be able to keep having a conversation beyond mm. that topic and mm. um, that won't that they won't rule jesus out because of what he says um in in that area that they will keep considering christ yes. um even once we've sort of moved on from talking about about homosexuality Yes, and that sort of gels with what you've said about you know your hopes for this book is to progress someone along the along the road to, to faith. Is is that what you see as the point of evangelistic books? I guess that there could be different kinds of evangelistic books. I suppose. What, what what are you hoping for from a book like Tricky, or from your previous books, Christmas Uncut, or, or Original Jesus? What what are you hoping for as you as you publish those books? That, that's that's a good question. I mean, uh, obviously. I'm hoping that somebody will, will, I mean, take Tricky for an example, that they will read the book, they'll get to the last chapter, which which looks at Zacchaeus, and they'll think, you know, I need to, I, I need to, I, well, I have climbed a tree to look at Jesus, as it were, by reading this book, I need to get down my tree and uh, and welcome Jesus into my life, just mm. as Zacchaeus did. Mm. Obviously, I hope and pray that I'll meet one or two, or, you know, maybe 100 or 200 or, or whatever, people in the new creation who say, you know, actually... I got to the last chapter and that's what I did. And, you know, all glory to God if, if that happens. Mm. But I think a, a book that, a, a, an evangelistic book that finishes with two options, accept Christ or reject Christ, is actually unhelpful, I think. Because I think a lot of people are going to finish a book like Tricky or like Christmas Uncut or Original Deeds or any book about, about the gospel. And, and they, they're not yet in a position to accept Christ, to repent and believe. And I want to give them another option, which is keep looking. Mm. Uh, uh, I think it's, well, I, I don't think I know it's only the Holy Spirit that can bring somebody to the position of saying, yes, Lord. And I don't want to suggest to people that if they're not in that position, then the only thing they can do is say, no, absolutely not, and, and, and walk away from the whole thing. I'd like them to finish Tricky and think, I, I'm not ready to say yes, but I do need to keep looking, I do need to keep asking, I do need to keep talking, maybe I do need to go to a church if I'm not already. And I think, you know, hopefully there'll be another book or another conversation or another sermon or another uh, outreach event at, at which the Holy Spirit does um, does work in their hearts. Um, but, but I want them to be in that conversation or at that event rather than having felt that this was their one shot, as it were, and, mm-hmm. and that was that. I once went to a horrendous evangelistic, no, it was a very good evangelistic talk, but the leader afterwards said, um, you know, we're going to have a time of quiet now, and this is a time for you to uh, give your life to Christ if you want. And then, and then she said, um, after a time of quiet, she said, "Right, I'm going to give you another ten seconds mm-hmm. to give your life to Christ. This is your opportunity, um, yeah. and I'm going to count down." And I was like, "This isn't well. This might be your only opportunity. Jesus may return in ten seconds, but if he doesn't, mm. then the day of salvation is continuing, and um, we need to make clear to people that." They they have until their death or the return of Christ to to repent and believe. The mm. time is short, but mm. you know not that short. <laughs> yes, and perhaps, I mean, would it, would it have been better if that came from the actual speaker in their address, saying, "Now is the day of salvation. Close with Christ now." Um, I, I, yeah, I, I guess the, the the revelation of the good news here is Jesus offered to you take him is is a message that, that needs to be expressed somehow but perhaps that happens best you know from the pulpit in a in the moment i don't know 
Um, I think there's always got to be a, an, an invitation or command. Mm. Um, has, you know, um, the, the gospel is brilliant. Won't you come in? The, the gospel is urgent. You really need to come into the kingdom. Mm. But but I think, and, you know, Glenn, I'm, uh, I'm aware that um, you have far more experience of this and, and have done more, far more thinking. It seems to me that I need to say, you know, maybe maybe you're somebody who knows you need to respond to that invitation right now and if you are then do it now and that's wonderful um but maybe you're somebody who who knows that there's something here but you need to carry on thinking about it and if that's you then here's how to, how i would encourage you to do that thinking but don't just walk away and stop thinking i i, I think there need to almost be two two invitations um in our evangelism come into the kingdom that's the best thing you can do uh, but if you're not going to do that then for goodness sake keep thinking about these things because i hope you've seen that you can't just dismiss it mm. um, and you know people people I, I remember when i was working uh, for a church up north because i was working for the church a lot of my evangelism was speaking to people and and somebody else had already done the hard yards, you know, somebody else had already witnessed to them and shown them what a Christian life looked like and got them interested and answered their first questions. And now I was going out for a pipe with them or whatever. So they're already like a long way along. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to think that everybody is in yes. that state if you're in the Christian sort of pastoral bubble, as it were. Yeah. And, and actually people are, are, are way, way back. And it normally takes years and countless conversations and a lot of... Um, questions and answers and events and so on for them to come to the point where they're, they're ready to to make the commitments and I need to remember when I'm writing and when I'm speaking how far back uh, a, a lot of people are and that one book and one talk is is unlikely humanly speaking to be what the, the only thing necessary to, to to bring them into the kingdom very helpful thank you so what what do you what have you got up next at the Good Book Company? What's uh you've got quite oh you've got you've got a Christmas um Alex Webb Peplo drawn illustrated uh, Luke's gospel thing happening. I saw that the other day. That looks fantastic. What's that yeah, one called? So, so that's that's light in the darkness. That mm. is a uh, I think they call it a graphic realization of mm-hmm. the events of um, Christmas. It goes with the third day, which is the same uh, for Easter and. The, the great thing about it is that um, Alex Webb Peplow is, is just a fantastic artist mm. and he he does, um, you know, bring the events to life. And if you're somebody who isn't a reader or you know people who aren't particular readers, then, you know, something that is more visual than the wordy is great. Mm. The other genius of it is that the, the only words in it are the words of Luke's mm. gospel. Mm. There are no additions. And so... It, it just brings people face to face with the Jesus of the gospel um, in a, in a really uh, evocative and, and interesting way. So, yeah, so I'm 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 praying that that will be greatly used and greatly used by the Spirit for people who probably wouldn't read mm. um, what we might call a, a, a normal book. Brilliant. What would you uh, sort of final question almost? What what would you give away in an evangelistic setting? So you've got a mate, and maybe they'll come to a Christmas carol service or something, and they'll be interested enough to come with you to that. They were interested enough at the carol service, and you think I'm going to get this person uh, a, a present, a book that will help them to to understand more about Jesus. What would you What would you uh, and you're allowed to say your own book, but um, but if you if you say your own book, you've got to say at least two others. Um, so what would you what would you offer to people in that sort of situation? Um, 
Well, it depends completely who they are. And I know, I know that sounds like a cop out. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would say is that, um, particularly with the Christmas carol service, I'd want to give them something short. Mm-hmm. Um, Christmas, uh, yeah, the, the whole time is busy, isn't it? And mm-hmm. people, I think, read less than we would like them to, or certainly as a publisher, than I would like them to. And But particularly at Christmas, you know, if I give somebody a 400-page book, it could be brilliant, but the chances are they're never going to get going with it because it's just a big book and mm. you don't have time to read big books. So I'd want to give them something short. It, uh, and it, it's why I wrote Christmas Uncut, to be, to, be, to be gospel, to be about Christmas, and to be short enough that I would hope people think, yeah, I could... I could read a, cha- a chapter a day over Christmas, no trouble. It is only like 10 pages a chapter or whatever, and there are only eight chapters. Mm-hmm. So um, so given that that's why I wrote it, I- I'd want to say Christmas Uncut. Mm-hmm. We Other gave that books. away last last year, actually, with, um, with our Christmas Thank videos. For, yeah. Thank you for putting food into my children's mouths, Glenn. <laughs> there, are two, there are two very grateful toddlers. Um, in, uh, they, in and Southwest they South. now have shoes. Otherwise, yes. yeah. They, they, well, one shoe. Um, <laughs> Until... Keep yeah. buying the book um, this year. Yeah. No, um, other uh, other things um, that uh, that I might give away would be, you know, I, I think uh, Tim Keller's Prodigal God is mm. Keller at his most accessible. So you get the brilliance of of Tim Keller in a very sort of pared down. Um, uh, you know, it's it's a reasonably short book. Um, other other things I would I would give away some of the um, some of Roger Carswell's sort of testimonial. Or testimony-based um, books are, are are just a different way of getting the, the truth of the gospel. Yes. And you know, Glenn, there's a, there's a very good book called Three Two One. Which, oh, well. um, coming which, out soon. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I think I think the thing about evangelistic books is um, it takes it takes a lot for somebody to give their non-Christian friend a book. You know, it's, it, it's maybe their one shot. <laughs> mm. And so um, these books need to be the best we're producing and publishing. Mm. Um, they, need to be, they need to be better written and better designed and look better than the books we write for, uh, for fellow, fellow believers, mm. Um, mm. In, in my opinion. Yeah. Because, you know, if, if, if as a Christian I read a, Christ, a book about Christianity and it, it's not particularly good, Mm. then that's fine. I'll probably read another one. I forgive her. Know. I forgive him, yeah. But, but you know, it, yeah. th- I will because I'm a Christian and, yeah. I, and I want to eat up the gospel in, in, in any way I can. But but if I'm a non-Christian then and, and I don't like mm. a book about Christianity, mm. then that might be it. And I might not read another one. I might not carry on the conversation. So I, I'm, I'm much more careful about the books I will recommend to give to a non-Christian than I am sure. books and yeah. to uh, for 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 Christians to to read. Yes, yeah. it's the front door. We want to polish the knob and uh, make sure it's all uh, well marked. And yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That's a good way. Of putting it. Brilliant. Well, Carl, thank you so much for spending time with us. Oh, uh, thanks, Adam. Yeah, Carl and Michael Dormady's book is called Tricky, The Hardest Questions to Ask About Christianity and Some Answers, and the answers are heartfelt and Jesus-centered and very helpful, and uh, we hope it does great good. I'm sure it will. Was I meant to say something? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is... I, I hope so. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm sure it'll do great, great good. Um, so thanks so much, Carl. Thank you for having me very much. See you much. again. 
he touches on some really quite complicated questions there. Hmm. And, uh, you know, ones which uh, could get you in a lot of hot water, I suppose. Yes, I did drop him in some hot water. <laughs> sort of. Uh, so how do, you, how do you handle the question of homosexuality and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Um, I thought it was very wise what he was saying. Hmm. That, yeah, first of all, it's about loving them. And, you know. yeah. and it's it good that he's written it with someone and they've kind of discussed it. And uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's very helpful, you know, to kind of... Mm. look at that from from different points of view yes and i i really yeah so as he was talking about okay in this chapter i'm just wanting to move someone from you know here to here and and just make a move them an inch along the line rather than get them confessing you know christ as lord um i think yeah i I think that's that's very important um you know to be held together with Mm. there must be a way there must be a way of proclaiming christ the lord Mm. To uh, as to a culture that that views sex so uh, highly, mm. surely there's a way of of. I mean, I don't know what it is yet. But, um, <laughs> there's got to be a way of of talking about you know Jesus, the fulfilment of our sexual desires. If he's the fulfilment of every other kind of desire, then and surely he is that. And yeah, we've got we've got to keep on doing some work. But I thought I thought Carl was pointing in all the right directions. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, how can folks get a hold of a copy then? So they can go to the show notes and uh, and look up uh, Tricky, the hardest questions to ask about Christianity and some answers, and it's published by the Good Book Company. Okay, and we can also put a link to your book, which is available for pre-order. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yes. And it says it's available for pre-order on the 1st of January 2015. Might be able to get it out sooner than that. Might be able to get it out for Christmas, but we shall see. We shall see. You can pray about that. But, yeah. Uh, Get in there before New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get in there, get in there. <laughs> okay, so uh, the place to go for this episode to uh, to get the, the links to the books is revivalmedia.org slash TEP70... Um, <laughs> it must be about... Not 70, um, 71. 72. 73, <laughs> 74, it must be about 75, 77. I reckon it's 77. Anyway, Adrian Hollywood was 76. Really? Yeah, so it's 77. For all those people that are crazy about the Evangelist podcast, will realise that we didn't have an episode last week. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yes, okay, so the web address is revivalmedia.org slash TEP77. So that's it for this week. Uh, Sign up for the email notification for the podcast, and we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.